for the month of September, the Lord laid in my heart uh, a burden to pray for revival. Pray for revival of our spiritual life and pray for revival of our church because we truly need that. We feel that we have enough programs in our church. We have enough things to do in our church. In fact, too many things. We try to find space to create things that is more aligned with God's purposes. But you know what? What is lacking is power. We did not experience enough power of the resurrected Lord in our lives. And we have 20% or 25% of the congregations actively serving, while 75% of the congregations who are basically spectators and not truly involved. And we want to invite everybody together in a revived state of spiritual life. So pray for me as I preach through Nehemiah chapter 8 until chapter 10. And ask God to bring that message for our whole congregation as we grow together. You know, look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. Okay, we look at the Watergate revival. You know, in 1974, the Watergate scandal brought down the presidency of Richard Nixon. But the Watergate in the book of Nehemiah brought revival to God's people. So, chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah, verses 1 to 12. Okay, let me read to you and, and hear God's word. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord has commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Metathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hukiah, and Mishiah on his right hand, and Pataiah, Mishael, Mikijah, Hashem, Hashbada, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, and Serebiah, and Jamin, and Achab, and Shepatai, and Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Ezariah, and, and Josebat, Hanan, Beliah, the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from a book from the law of God. Clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. 
Let's pray. Lord, we open your word. We read your word. We pray that you will open our hearts and understand your word and see how that will relate to our individual lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The group gathered at the Watergate in the Bible were exiles in captivity in the kingdom of Persia. And they were granted the permission to come back to rebuild the city wall of Jerusalem. And under the able leadership of Nehemiah, they have overcome much hardships. Now, the wall is rebuilt. The city gates are properly installed. And the city is secured. See, the hardware is ready, but the software is not. The wall is ready. The city is ready, but the people are not ready. They must ensure that they do not repeat the same mistakes of the past of falling into idol worship, lest the judgment of God will come upon them again, and they need a revival. And where do they begin? Well, they go back to God's Word. That's where they begin. For revival, you go back to God's Word. And today, we, FCBC Walnut, FCBCW, we are in the same situation. You have seen the building coming up week after week. It's stalled for a few weeks now, but it will keep going. And you will see it taking shape. And as the building is taking shape, the hardware is taking shape. The software needs to be ready. The software is you and me. Are we ready to occupy that 14,000 square feet of floor area to do ministry and to build a vibrant church of Jesus Christ, of disciple makers that will reproduce vibrant churches locally and globally. And that's why we need the same revival that the Israelites were experiencing at the Watergate in chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah. And clearly, you see from the demonstration of the people, there's a hunger. There is a hunger for God's Word. It's more than just a regular preaching. There is a hunger. They ask for it. They want God's Word. It happens, the Bible says, in the seventh month, the first day of the seventh month, which is the new year, a very... A wonderful time of launching, of asking people to come together to renew the commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ, to the great God. And the square before the water gate is chosen so that there is maximum participation from the whole church, from the whole congregation, from the whole uh, people who came back from the exile. Uh, they want the men, the women, and whoever understand the word to come under the teaching of God's word. So most likely, Children, maybe youth, were involved as well. As many as possible. If you have it in the temple, that will not be possible. Not only it is too small, but then the women may not be able to enter the temple. And it is, it is so symbolic that it is done at the water gate, where they find water, where they get water from outside the city, with a stream flowing out there. It's like a reminder that, that the life giving nature of God's word is the reason for revival. It's like without water, there's no life. And without God's word, there's no revival of the hearts. And they are really, really hungry and thirsty for God's word because they proactively ask for the word of God to be read to them. Usually it's the other way around, right? Usually it's the prophets, the teachers, the priests, Exhort the people, come and hear God's word. 
Come and come under the teaching of God's word. God has spoken. Come and listen. Right? Generally, when you see the history of Israel in the Old Testament, that's what happened. The leadership called the people. But now the people ask for it. They want it. There's a hunger for God's word. They know they need God's word. So the law of Moses was being read before the people. The first five books of the Old Testament. And you know what? The Bible says they stood for five to six hours from morning until noon. That's unheard of. And Ezra, the scribe, will read the scriptures. Not only he himself, but most likely the 13 individuals will join him, most likely the priests and Levites. They will take turn to read so that the words will continuously shared and explained to the people for five to six hours. And their hunger was clearly demonstrated in three ways. First of all, they were attentive. And secondly, they were respectful. And thirdly, they were responsive. In verse 3 says that the people were attentive to the word of God from early morning until noon in the presence of the men and the women who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. It was as if the ears of the people were glued to the word of God. Like there's no other voices I want to hear, no other distractions I want except God's word. We need God's word. We are hungry and thirsty after God's word. That's what happened to the people. They were attentive. You know, attention is hard to come by nowadays. It's hard. Because we have so many choices. And with the church fully Wi-Fi, we have more choices. And it's so hard to sit through a teaching of God's word uh, for 45 minutes or 50 minutes. So hard. right? Try to glue and, and as a preacher, we do our best to come up with PowerPoints and pictures and, and all kinds of things. And hopefully that will draw your attention into God's Word. But with all these choices in your hands, Facebooks and texting and all the possibilities, it's so hard, so hard. You struggle with that. I struggle with that too. Uh, because it's, it's not possible uh, to, to just... Once you get bored, you have choices. Okay, You have choices and, and do different things. And yet we see that when there is a hunger for God's word, they will pay attention because they know that this is life-giving. Nothing else gives you life except God's word. This is the book of life that will teach us to know how to live in this world, this side of heaven, until we get back to the heavenly place. And this is the teaching they will teach us to, to build our marriage and build our family and build our church, to build our individual lives. And that hunger draw the people back to God's word. They want it. They were attentive to God's word. And the platform is being built for that occasion. You know that it's well planned. They are looking forward to the revival. They are looking forward to the teaching of God's word. And secondly, they were respectful. Because when, when Ezra opened up the book of, uh, of, of Moses, everybody stood. That's the gesture to tell him, we respect God's word. We willingly put ourselves under the teaching of God's word. We have a high view of God's word. They were respectful. And thirdly, they were responsive. Because when the book is open, they say amen, amen, verbally and physically. 
they began to lift their hands in the worship of God. They bound their heads, and more so, they prostrate to the ground. They prostrate themselves as a way to show their humility, their submission, their obedience under the word of God. They were so responsive. It's it's holistically, it's a whole body responding to God. See, this is a great reminder for our people today that the high view of scriptures begins with the high view of God. If you don't care about God, you don't care about his teaching, you don't care about his word, you don't care about the Bible. But if you care about God, if God is important to you and me in our lives, knowing that we desperately need him, we will have a high view of God's word and we will be attentive and we will be respectful and we will be responsive. A high view of God brings a high view of God's word and his scriptures. Verses 7 and 8 tells us that the 13 Levites, not those on the stage, those on the stage most likely taking turn to read the law of Moses but those, another 13, on the ground, the Levites running, they will go around the people when they were remaining in this place to explain the text to them and help them to understand. Uh, in verse 8, he reminds the people that they read from the book, from the law of God clearly. They read clearly. That's an oral community. There was no printed things in those years. So oral Communication is very important. So speak clearly so people understand. And they gave the sense. Not only reading the word, but make sense out of that so that people understand. And that's a hard part. And all the pastors who struggle with that. How to make God's word relevant. Uh, we, we preach differently. Uh, some pastors tend to dwell more on the exposition, the exegesis, the meaning of the word and all that. We are good at that and theology all that. Other pastors tend to give more time into, well, understanding the, the basis of God's truth and then try to apply that into our church, uh, into our life. And that's the hard part. But that's the test. That's the test. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's when we say God's word is effective, is relevant, is useful because it begins to show up in our lives. And that's hard. So the Levites were not only reading clearly God's law and God's word, but they explained it in such a way that they begin to connect. And say, yeah, it makes sense. Yes, we need it. Well, we better live by the word of the Lord so that we can be disciple makers of Jesus Christ. And they began to respond to God. They read clearly, they explain it, give sense to the word, and they begin to understand the word of God. There's a hunger. There's a hunger. You know, we, we have the Word of God in printed forms nowadays. In, we have it in digital forms nowadays. We have it in the iCloud. But we have no hunger to read. We have much more, much more printed digital forms of God's Word lying around, downloaded, than people actually begin to read God's word because the hunger is not as evident as the desire to download it. And you have so many versions in your cell phone that you don't know where to begin. But reading it is a struggle. Why? Sometimes it's because we have taken too much junk, junk food. 
when too much junk food, you lose your appetite. So the hunger is not there. Other times it's because, you know, there are too many activities, too crowded. Your life is too crowded. You are not willing to let go of the crowdedness of your life. You hold on to it. And yet at the same time, you try uh, to, to create some hunger for God's work. You know it's not going to work. Uh, but sometimes I feel that maybe because like in our church, a Bible church, we really believe in the Word of God. In our church, sometimes we depend too much on the pastor's exposition. We allow the pastors to be the middleman of understanding God's Word. Hey, that's our calling. We, our job is to explain God's Word and to lead the church to be the church of Jesus Christ. That's our job. But I'm afraid that sometimes that you trust us too much that you are not willing to do it on your own. That you never go back to the original source. You always go through us like the Old Testament. Always go through the priest before you can approach God. But Jesus is a high priest. Jesus has dismantled the Old Testament's sacrificial system. Jesus has drawn you and me unto Him personally. We can all be drawn unto God. But we are still hoping and depending on radio preachers and YouTube sermons and pastors of our church to expound God's word for you. And you are not doing it on your own. That's my fear. That's the problem of a Bible church like ours. That we love to preach God's word and we love to listen to sermons, but we are not taking our own steps of understanding and seeking God's word together. Psalm 1 reminds us, delight in the word of the Lord, in the law of the Lord, and meditate on it day and night. Then you'll be like a tree planted by the waters, and you will bear fruits in its season, and the leaf doesn't wither. You will prosper. You will prosper because you do God's will, and God will bless you because you are doing it according to God's will. And, and, and I'm afraid that we are not doing that as well because we are outsourcing it to the pastors to expound it for you. Now, we should do our job. We should be faithful in our preaching every week. We will do it. And, and, and you bet that every Tuesday, as a pastor get together, we go through a sermon and try to help each other to be better in our, in our sermon presentation. But you, as people of God, you need to go back to the original source. If we do not teach you how to read God's word, that will be our negligence. If we begin to take away the privilege of going to God directly, that will be our negligence. If we, when you do that, it's because you don't know how to approach God personally, then we need to repent and teach you how you, as a New Testament Christians, after Christ has gone to the cross and died for us as a sacrificial uh, lamb for us, that we can approach him individually and directly because he has opened that door, that access for us to come to him and you need to come to him personally because that is the original source. Go back to the original source. Approach God personally and read his word. Create that hunger, hunger for God's word. But the greatest thing that we see in these 12 verses, not only being demonstrated in their hunger for God's word, but for their responses. They were responses. Sometimes we read God's word, we hear sermons, there's no response. It's falling on deaf ears. Okay? 
There's no response at all. But the people responded to God in a great way. In verse 9 to 12, they have joyful response to God's word. And, and, and they responded in two ways. First of all, they were grieved. And then they were joyful. But they were called to be joyful in their response to God. And this is truly a teamwork because in verse 9 says, Nehemiah, who was the governor, the political leader, Ezra, the priest and scribe, the religious leader, and the Levites, the team members of the whole revival team, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or, or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. They were responses. When was the last time you weep after hearing a sermon or reading God's word? When was the last time? When was the last time you felt joyful after you read God's word? That's the kind of response that demonstrates a kind of revival in people's life. There will always be responses to God's word when we are in a revived state. Why were they grieving? They were grieving because they were convicted of their own sins. The fact that they were in that state of their spiritual life is because of their past rebellion and idol worship. And that's why they were in exile in the kingdom of Persia. And now when the law of the Moses was being read to the people, and they begin to see the standard way of being God's people and to see the state of where they are, the pathetic state of where they are, they felt convicted. When you set the standard, you begin to see your shortcomings. When you see the light, you begin to see your own darkness. When you see beauty, you begin to see your own shortcomings. See, once a standard is set, we begin to reveal what is inside, what is inadequate of our response to God. And that's what happened. When they begin to set God's word, this is the truth, they begin to see their lies and their half-truth as they walk with God, as God's chosen people. They grieve because they were convicted of their sins. There was an outpouring of regrets and repentance, and they recognized that they are far from obeying God's word. You know why? Because God's word is like a mirror. Mirror is always honest. Right? Mirror is always honest. Whatever you are, it shows. Whatever you are, how you look, how you dress yourself, how you comb your hair, how you put on makeups, or whatever, it shows. That's the job of a mirror to reflect you as who you are, to reflect me as who I am. That's God's word. That's why some people refuse to go back to God's word because it's so revealing. Because it's so, so authentic. Because it's so real. And it's hard to see truth sometimes. We'd rather not see it and pretend that it's not there. So in James chapter 1, verses 22 and 24 says, If a man, uh, if anyone is a hearer of God's word and not a doer, just hear it without doing, there's no responses. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like and didn't do anything about that. 
See, that's the power of God's word. It reveals. It reveals you. Uh, secondly, God's word is like a hammer. Hammer. It hits you. It convicts you. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. It says, The unhumble heart of the man is like a rock. If not melted by the word of God as a fire, it will be broken to pieces by it as a hammer. That's the power of God's word. You know, an unhumble heart, a rebellious heart, a stubborn heart of man is like a rock. Hard, refusal, obstinate. Either the word of God will melt you as a fire, or the word of God will hit you so hard that it will break you until you repent, until you come back to God. That's the nature of God's word. So Jeremiah says, how can they be long safe or at all easy? Who has a God of almighty power against them? When you deal with God, you're dealing with truth. Truth is revealing like a mirror, but truth also hits you until you are aligned with God's truth. And thirdly, it is like a two-edged sword. It's sharp. It cuts. It cuts. It's painful sometimes reading the truth of God when we are in a rebellious state. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It drives in quick. It's not going to wait. Once you open up God's word, it drives right into your heart, your motives, your hidden desire. It goes all the way in, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It cuts deep. That's the power of God's word. And that's why they were so grieved when the standard is set, when the standard is revealed, we are like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so far away from the standard. Until we admit the state of our relationship with God, we are not ready for revival. The Israelites were broken by God. They feel sorry for their rebellion. They feel sorry for their sins. The worst is there is no feeling at all. There's no response at all. But they responded in a revival state. You know, some 15 years ago, as we look at our church history, um, we have stopped growing numerically. Now, numbers is not everything. Numbers is something. It's an indication that we have reached a state of our growth that some changes need to be made. The way we delegate the way we empower, the way we uh, do our whole structure needs to be rethought through. So we were having that state for a while. And then about 10 years ago, uh, we have to deal with a leadership crisis where a few pastors left and about 150 to 200 people left the church as well. And, and it was a very tragic and sad episode of our church life. And we lay low to lick our wounds. And slowly... Uh, we heal, 
and slowly we grow from that experience. We learn how to deal with things and we learn how to be more matured uh, in uh, growing the church and in serving the people. But you know what? I feel that, I feel that, that we allow ourselves settle into a new normal. We begin to settle into a normal, a new normal of passivity. We are afraid to rock the boat again. It's steady now. Don't cause any more disturbances. It was so painful. Okay, Don't bring back that memory at all. Just lay low. Because when we lay low, nothing happens. Everybody is safe. Just don't do much. Then we'll be okay. Because when you do something, when you begin to initiate something, then the potential of that replay of that episode might happen. And let's not do that. It's too risky. I'm afraid that some of us fall into that state almost like the Israelites grieving, still grieving and not coming out from their grief. But you know what? The discerning eyes of Nehemiah, the spiritual sensitivity of Ezra and all the helpers, the scribes, the team members, they all discern together and said to the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And he said to them, Go your way and eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes, we need to be broken. Yes, repentance has to happen. Yes, be honest and be authentic with your own spiritual state. But you can dwell in those states. It is wonderful that we finally come to the admission. That I need God. I need God's word. I'm in a poor state compared to the standard. I'm far behind. But don't dwell there. Don't live in the pit. Come out. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy that God gives, the forgiveness that our Lord can give you is your strength for the journey ahead. It's the strength to build a vibrant church. The reconciliation that He brings into your life, the restoration of relationship with your Heavenly Father is the strength of your life. Don't lick your wounds forever. It's time. It's time to launch a vibrant church again. It's time to jump out of the pit of passivity and be active, loving the Lord, reading God's word, worshiping Him, sharing the gospel, serving the church of Jesus Christ, building a strong community and witness and grow together. Don't stay in that pit. Oh, I love that message. I love that message. I love that reminder. Both are responses. Both are needed. But you need to transform from being grieved into being joyful. Live the full, full life that Christ has given you and me. And Ezra and Nehemiah and the scribes call people to celebrate to celebrate together. Not just themselves, but those without food, share with them. 
drink sweet wines, all the desserts, food, bring them out. Let's celebrate because this is the Lord's day. This is the new year. This is, uh, we are turning a new page. Let's grow together. Now that we have repented, let's grow together. And that's my message for our church today as well. That the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I pray that this new church year, as we preach in the month of September, will also be a holy day of FCBC Walnut, a day of a new beginning, that we recognize our shortcomings and we celebrate our awakening. We throw a party, we make a feast, and we include some desserts and celebrate because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's my message for you today. That God's word revives the hearts of God's people to respond to God's God-given opportunity. Like the Israelites, the city is secure. They have returned to the homeland. Great potentials lies before them given by God. It is time for renewal, for renewing the commitment to God and to take up the God-given opportunity to be the light of all nations as God has intended for this chosen people. And God's word purifies them to be God's holy people again. So do we. So do we. In our retreat in July, we have shared with you of our plan to build a strong base here. Our church has to have a strong presence, strong base here because the vision is to use this strong base to support other church plants to build vibrant churches locally and globally. That strong base has to be discipleship-based. So we want to encourage all our people to grow in discipleship. We want to encourage our small groups to open up, to allow others to come in and journey with you. We want to encourage more community groups being established so that people can journey together as disciples of Jesus Christ, read God's Word and pray together. That is the foundation of a strong base, and we need that strong base. And secondly, we talk about we did establish a church plant. Our church in Cross Life, uh, our Cross Life Community Church has become independent for, for close to a year now. And we pray that God show us the next church plant, that we can build vibrant churches locally and globally so that others can hear the gospel in the close proximity when we send people out there to share the gospel. We shared about the third thing is to seek five global mission partners where people will come together and we share our resources because we believe that we are resourceful. Our church is so resourceful. And we want to share that because that is an indication of a vibrant church. A vibrant church is a church who loves God passionately and people passionately. It's a church who lives authentically. A vibrant church is a church who gives generously share our resources generously. And the vibrant church is a church who goes courageously outside the four walls of the church to bless the neighbors, bless the community, and to bless others. And, and, and it begins with God's word. God's word revives the heart of God's people to respond to God's given opportunity. And today I'm going to give you two actions plan. Okay? And really call you together. First of all, um, download YouVersion Bible app at YouVersion.com. Many of you use that version, right? I use the same version. Okay? 
and not just download. We have all kinds of downloads in the cell phones, right? Download and go to the reading plan and read through the Bible in a year. It's about three to four chapters a day. Okay, piece of cake. Compared to the Watergate revival, where they stood for five to six hours, man, you have it easy. You really have it easy. Three or four chapters a day. You know why? When we begin now and keep reading until August 31st, most likely that will be about the time that we will dedicate a new building. In another 12 months, we should dedicate a new building. So if you prepare yourself as a software to occupy the hardware of the building and to do God's work together, that will be wonderful. Please do that. Uh, small group leaders, uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, help me to encourage your cell members. Uh, download and then start signing up for a reading plan. Okay. What about you? Did you do it? Yes, I did. I signed up for a three months plan. I read through the Bible every three months. So four times a year. So I lead by example. So I want everybody to sign up and read together. Three, four chapters a day. Go back to the source. We will preach faithfully here every month, every week. But go back to the source yourself and read God's word and allow God's word to minister uh, in your heart. This U version so far has been downloaded 330 million. 330 million downloads around the world. Okay, so download it and read God's word. Okay, allow God's word to speak to you and minister to you. And secondly, I want to really encourage you to attend Wednesday night prayer meeting at 745. We need to pray together. We don't need another program. <laughs> we don't need another 40 days of prayer, 40 days of life, 40 days of... Well, enough of those stuff. There's no power. We need more power, spiritual power. So come back to pray with us. I know you pray on your own. Uh, uh, you know, for many of us, our prayers five times a day, it's like the Muslims, right? Good morning, and then good evening, and then three meals. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So five times a day. That's not enough, people. That's not enough. Prayer is so much richer than that. Prayer is a listening skill. Listen to God. Prayer is, is a worship of God. Prayer is a surrender of your will to God's will. Prayer is so much richer. And you know what? Prayer is hard, hard work. Reading Bible is easier. At least you have insights. You have knowledge. You learn something. You learn about you know, stories in the Bible and all that thing. But prayer, prayer is all about giving to God. It's about surrendering to God. And prayer is boring. Many times, oftentimes it's boring. So it's hard to do it on your own. But when we do it together, it's so much easier when we do it together. So I'm going to call the church to come and pray. Pastors and officers and deacons and small group leaders and, 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 and all kinds of uh, people, come and pray together. We need you to pray together. Then revival will come to us. Revival comes when it is accompanied by prayer and by God's word then you personally will experience God in your powerful way and He will come to you in a powerful way to remind you to be aligned with Him. Come and pray together. Come and read God's Word together. I have no other messages. Because if you don't do those things, we can inspire you with a nice story, we can inspire you with a biography of someone for that 30 seconds, for that 5 minutes when you walk out the door, most of it is erased, is gone. And you know it. Week after week, that's what happened. 
unless you pick up your Bible and start reading, unless you go back to God and pray to Him. That's when revival will happen. Would you do that for us and do it together with us? Let's pray. Lord, 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 it is not more programs. It is not more active. It is coming back to God's Word and coming back to prayer that we can be revived in our hearts. So like the Israelites in the days of Nehemiah, we want to come back together in reading God's Word, in praying together so that our church can move and grow and experience God in a powerful way. Then we receive power from you to do God's will and build a vibrant church. May you use this message to convict us just like the way you convicted the people at the Watergate and they responded to you. And we pray for a response today from a congregation as well through the working of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.